Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of No Country for Old Meg. This is a podcast about my weird and often embarrassing experiences of living abroad. And this episode is coming to you from Tokyo, Japan. Today, however, my topic is a little bit more serious because it's about Typhoon Hagibis. Super Typhoon Hagibis made landfall and is rushing towards the world's largest urban area, Tokyo. The authorities have ordered hundreds of thousands of people in eastern and central Japan to evacuate their homes immediately as Typhoon Hagibis lashes the country. Growing up in Ireland doesn't exactly prepare you for any kind of extreme weather or natural disasters. I mean, I remember probably around 2006 we had a storm which um, blew our trampoline to the neighbor's house. I mean, that's the extent of my experience with extreme weather because apart from a few roof tiles knocked off and my parents being mortified, there was very little damage. So I didn't really know what to expect when we were warned that a typhoon was coming. Um, a neighbor happened to say it to me in passing and I hadn't actually heard about it yet. So I asked my students at work, I said like, you know, what do you guys do to prepare for a typhoon? Should I be worried? Should I do something in particular? And like, they were oddly blasé about it, which I mean, I guess I can understand. Hagibis is the 19th typhoon to hit Japan this year. So I mean, to them, it's just kind of like normal. I think it's, and most of them hit within the, the typhoon season which is kind of between, as far as I know, I think it's from like summer to uh, late autumn. So, I mean, yeah, they were well used to it at this point. I mean, the extent of the advice I got was to take in my potted plants, which is fine because, I mean, I live in a tiny apartment where I actually don't really even have a bed, never mind potted plants, so I didn't worry too much. But even then, I mean, it had been predicted to be what they call a super typhoon, which is obviously like more extreme than usual typhoons. And later I received an email from work and it outlined a list of precautions that we should probably take. And then this kind of, this gave me more of a fright. I kind of wish I had just gotten the advice from my students because I started to get kind of nervous. So some of the, some of the advice they said, they said, um, fill up your bathtub with water in case the water cuts off and you need to use the water to like flush the toilets, fill bottles of drinking water, put them in the fridge or cupboards or whatever. Um, fill plastic bags with water and put those on top of the drains in your sinks in case the sewage comes up which is pretty gross um, I made sure that I did that anyway for sure because I was terrified that like my apartment was going to flood with like gross sewage um, it said you know charge your phones I charged my phone my work phone and my portable charger in case we lost power and in case I needed like a torch or something and also to tape up your windows in case, you know, they were expecting 200 kilometer per hour winds and in case either like it smashed through or something blew into your window. The tape was meant to like at least keep it together, like stick the glass together in case it did smash. However, I kind of played myself with that one and went to the 100 yen store, which I'm obsessed with. And I bought tape there, which just as soon as I put it on the window, it just like peels straight off. But I did everything else, you know, I cooked some food to make sure that I'd have something to eat in case the power went. I went to the shop to stock up on emergency snacks. Uh, going to the supermarket the night before actually felt a little bit like at home. And remember in February 2018 and we had that like freak snowstorm and everyone went crazy for bread because when I went to the supermarket, there was not a slice of a bread to be found. 
nor a drop of milk which is fine I don't drink milk but it just kind of it was kind of comforting I was like ah cool they prepare like we do it's actually kind of funny because Japanese people as far as I've noticed don't eat a massive amount of bread anyway but I suppose they wanted food that they wouldn't have to cook but yeah I was getting flashbacks to like my local centra with signs up saying only like two loaves of bread per customer and people just going nuts for the bread so anyway the typhoon was due to hit Saturday evening so I kind of figured, ah, oh, Saturday will be okay, you know, maybe I can go out and about um, and just make sure I'm home in the evening. But I was woken at around 7.30 to the sound of a loudspeaker circling my neighborhood, making some sort of announcement in Japanese. And then at the same time, my phone was making a noise that I had never heard before. It was like a ding, 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 ding. Like it was kind of a pleasant alert, but it was like really, really loud. And um, this was a sound that I was to hear basically for the rest of the day because they were sending out emergency alert messages. And at the same time, torrential rain was like pounding on the roof. So I woke up to this like cacophony of chaos, pretty much. Google Translate was really just not helpful at all. Um, I mean, at one point I tried to scan the messages and something about like elephants came up, followed by, can I have it? So I don't actually know what it was trying to say. So this was actually made me more anxious because I didn't know whether it was just saying hey this is what's happening or whether it was saying you're in danger get out of your house immediately so it turns out Japan has five levels of emergency alert caused by flooding and landslides the Japan Meteorological Agency issued its highest level of alert for 12 prefectures including Tokyo and Fukushima giving you a sense of how wide and powerful the number one if they send you a number one alert it means you know be aware something might happen Number three is like to advise elderly people to go to their nearest evacuation point. And then number five is basically saying disaster has already happened. And I quote, take every measure to protect your lives. So I packed an evacuation bag in case I needed to leave. But once I did receive this level five alert, I kind of accepted that I wasn't going to go anywhere. It was like a 30 minute walk to the nearest evacuation center. And I mean, it was probably more dangerous to actually go outside than to stay in my apartment. It felt kind of like a snow day in some ways. Like, you know, when you used to wake up and you'd be listening to the radio to hear if your school was going to be closed or not. And then you'd be kind of like watching the news all day to see what it was like in other areas. But yeah, so it felt kind of like a snow day, but mixed in with like anxiety. I find myself like every 30 minutes or so going from like, oh, it's fine. It's going to be grand to, oh my God, our lives are in danger. And then it kind of repeated for the whole day. And I think a lot of this was due to the constant influx of the emergency messages that I was receiving. Like I said, I couldn't understand them, apart from seeing the numbers where I knew what level of emergency it was. And it would say, you know, what area they're contacting. And my area was mentioned a few times, but I later found out that it was because nearby areas were evacuating and some of the centers were like in my neighborhood and I was told if you hear sirens outside it means that you need to evacuate so I could hear the loudspeaker but luckily no sirens so I figured okay I'm probably fine at this point I also started to get like cabin fever I mean like I was bored out of my tree at the same time even amidst all of this like panic and anxiety I didn't know what to do and like I was kind of, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I was basically live tweeting it because, you know, I do live alone, um, which I love living alone. But at a time like this, when you're getting all these messages that you can't understand and you know that there's like chaos throughout the city, um, living alone kind of sucks. Because I was like, OK, who do I turn to? Does anyone else know what's going on? 
Am I annoying people if I message them? Can I message my supervisor again or will that annoy her? She was actually super helpful. I mean, I sent her a few screenshots of things and she was able to translate them for me and, you know, reassure me that I was probably okay. She basically just said, okay, when you hear sirens, then you should probably go. And then in the midst of all my restless boredom and anxiety... Crossing the coast, a moderately strong earthquake struck the country's southeast. The magnitude 5.7 quake hit Chiba, but was felt in Tokyo as well. Yeah, an earthquake hit. I almost wet myself. Like, I don't have a couch or anything in my apartment, so I was watching Netflix, like, sitting with my back up against my sliding wardrobe doors. And next thing, I thought I could hear a knocking, and I was like, oh, is it like a, has a neighbour come to my door? But next thing, I felt like the doors behind me shake and start to slide. But I mean, in the end, like... I was ridiculously lucky, you know, I mean, if you've seen the news or anything, there's, I think the death toll is currently at 78 and people's houses have been washed away. People have lost all their belongings. There's people still in evacuation centres, I think. Um, I actually live uphill from our nearest river, which is only like a two minute walk away, but we didn't experience any flooding and I didn't have to leave my home. And like only a few kilometres away, a friend of mine had evacuated and he spent the night in like his local primary school sleeping on a towel. At this point the flooding was so bad that they announced that they had to release the dams or the dams would burst. The intensity of rain is something we've never experienced. It is highly likely that landslides and flood watch areas might be already experiencing some kind of disaster. I'm pretty sure Japan got something like half of its annual rainfall in 24 hours. There's a video online of a house just collapsing and sliding into the river because it, even its foundations were flooded. And you can see people being rescued by boat and, you know, houses were flooded up to even the second floor or the roof. And this is only a month after Typhoon Faxai, I think it was called. I'll have to double check, which tore the roofs off a lot of these homes already. And, you know, they had like uh, plastic sheets covering the roof. What I was really amazed by is like the Japanese emergency services. I mean, Japan is known for being super organized. I mean, people here, like, they love to line up. They queue for everything. They queue to get on the train, which is amazing. Um, either side of the door, there's like a little queue and you have to stand there. And you put your backpack on your front as to not like bang into anyone or like get in anyone's way. And yeah, they were so organized that... I mean, a Wi-Fi system was set up so that everyone in the city could have access to Wi-Fi in case they needed to receive emergency alerts, use maps or contact family, etc. But yeah, I just I guess you can't help but wonder like what it's like for, say, the families of the emergency services. And then your husband or wife is going out like in a helicopter or going out in a boat to save the residents of a nursing home that were being flooded or going out to release a dam or something like I I just it is pretty amazing to think that there's people who have to actually go out and do that but yeah eventually I think at about 9 30 there was almost like a sudden silence and I decided to take this opportunity to go to bed and try sleep while it was silent because it had been so noisy all day with you know the wind and the rain and the sirens and the loudspeakers and I think that was when the eye of the storm had passed. So they were expecting worse winds that night. I don't know if there was any, if I slept through it. Um, I think I was exhausted by 
all the drama. So yeah, the next morning I was woken again by a loudspeaker. Um, I'd imagine it was going around announcing probably that it's okay to leave your homes or something. Obviously I couldn't understand it, but yeah, I was buzzing to get outside. So at like 7am I got up, um, I walked around my neighbourhood and went to the nearest coffee shop and it was honestly as if nothing had happened. You know, people went back to, people were back to business pretty quickly. Um, there was just a lot of leaves everywhere in my area. I mean, I saw in the news, obviously, so many areas were not as lucky. Yeah, I mean, there were. this was a Sunday and there were people in suits getting on the train. So I don't know whether they had to go into work and sort stuff out or all of the convenience stores were back running. You know, they had already started to stock up their shelves. The coffee shops were open. I think everyone was probably like myself in that they were delighted to get outside again. I mean, it was only 24, 36 hours, but yeah, everyone looked like quite happy to be outdoors and the sun was blazing as well. It was 28 degrees that day and it's just like life had just come back. I mean, things in Japan tend to run like clockwork, like I said, and it's like the whole community had like fixed itself back into its synchronization, back into like its organized harmony. But yeah, that was my first and what I hope is my only experience of a natural disaster or extreme weather. You know, I mean, I was ridiculously lucky to be basically unaffected by it. And it's been it's been really horrible looking at the constant news articles that come up and on the news and seeing, you know, these videos and announcements of people who are still missing, people who have been found, you know, homes that have been absolutely ruined. But yeah, I got away pretty lucky after it. Not something I'd like to experience again. And hopefully Japan don't have anything as bad for the foreseeable future because apparently it was the worst in something like 60 years. But yeah, it's getting back on its feet pretty quickly. They're very proactive here, very productive. When something happens immediately, it's like, okay, let's sort this out. So yeah, there you have it. Typhoon Hagibis and what it was like being here for that. Next week... I'm going to talk about the Rugby World Cup and what it's like to be surrounded by a constant influx of sport. Especially as someone who knows little to nothing about sport, I've been able to kind of bluff my way through it and make friends with people who now think that I'm pretty into rugby, which is cool. Anyway, I will talk to you all again next week. That's the end of the very first episode of No Country for Old Meg. 